Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Shared Ireland podcast and a special word of thanks to anyone that may be listening for the first time. So our guest today hit the headlines back in May this year when it was reported he joined the Loyalist Communities Council, LCC, which includes prescribed paramilitary organisations and he addressed the Northern Ireland Affairs Committee in which he stated that people may resort to violence if it was the only tool they had left. So, welcome along to the Shared Ireland podcast, Mr. Joel Keyes. How are you? I'm brilliant, thank you very much. No it's problem. Lovely to, lovely to be chatting. Well, I must say, from the offset, Joel, um, all the communications we've had, and including a 10 15 minute chat before we hit the record button here today, um, it's been an absolute pleasure Absolutely. Uh, speaking to you. And um, for for a young man of twenty years of age, you're you're a very impressive character, shall I say? So <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> tell me this, Joe. Who is Joel Keys? And tell our listeners a little bit about you and maybe your background. Well, I think uh, this is one of the things that maybe people don't get a lot is that I'm not some university educated. Like most of the time, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I'm just a regular dude. Um, took a school trip to, down to watch the top table one day and uh, really enjoyed it. And it was back when I was 16, so I said to one of the, the producers, you know, how do you get on this? And that's really what started my involvement in politics. And tell me, um, it's just on the top table. That's the Stephen Nolan top mm-hmm. table. Did you eventually get on it? I did indeed, yeah. Um, that's, I remember that now. That's right. It was a shame because it was a Brexit special and... Back whenever I was 16, I, I didn't have very strong opinions either way. Um, I think my I am a Brexiteer now, or I would describe myself as one, but that's that's retroactive. If you give us the vote tomorrow, again, I don't know if I would vote yes or no. Oh, is that right? Oh, 100%, yeah. My main issue with the whole European Union thing was, was how difficult it was to leave. It wasn't that I wanted to leave and I thought it was the best mm-hmm. thing. It was, the, it was the fact that, given that the decision had been made, mm-hmm seemed to be way too difficult to get out of it and I didn't like that at all and mm-hmm. um, that, that's kind of where my pro-Brexit position comes mm-hmm. from but that's never what it was. So go, going back to I suppose your early years and mm-hmm. uh, well you're still quite early in life <laughs> at 20 but um, yes you were talking about them um, you got involved kind of sparked your interest by going to the top table show. That's it yeah it wasn't um, I don't know I think, I think some people think I'm like a some operative, some some political operative that's like here on a mission, but I'm just the most normal person. I go out with my mates, um, have a wee bit of, we'll go into the city centre and have a wee bit of food. Um, we're just one of the most normal groups of people ever. Uh, I think, yeah, where, where I'm a bit different from the rest of my friends is that people seem to like the fact that I have no problem going on to things and talking with people and, and answering questions directly without trying to scoot around them. Because you do find that within communities like mine, you know, there's a massive distrust with the media. So, I, I don't know, part of what I like to do is just go out and speak to people, reach out to this olive branch and see, to be honest, I can only think of one or two things that I've ever done that I, I regret. So, you know, most people that you meet are, are dead on and they're up for a chat and I love that. So, yeah. Well, I suppose it was on that basis, Joel, this podcast came about after you recently posted on Twitter the following and I'm kind of going mm-hmm. to semi-quote you here. To all Republicans, when you say you want to unite Ireland, what precisely do you mean? And I suppose 
I immediately seen that tweet. And as you know, mm -hmm. I DM'd you. Well, first of all, I responded publicly. Yeah. And then we DM'd each other mm -hmm. and we extended an invitation for you to come on the podcast. And I suppose that's what I meant when I said at the start of this conversation that, you know, you've been so easy to mm -hmm. deal with and nothing was a problem. And, um, and here we are today. <laughs> Tell me this. What response did you get to that particular tweet, Joe? Joe, sorry. And were there any answers that you perhaps that you didn't expect or that interested you or maybe not? It's hard because I think you have to talk about what, why was the question asked? And for me, the question was asked because you see all this conflict going on that seems to kind of centre around this idea of whether Northern Ireland is British or Irish, right? And I look at it and I go, all right, so unionists, loyalists, they want to stay in the United Kingdom. We know what that looks like, fair enough. We've lived it for the past We've lived years. It. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. it, it's clear. A United Ireland, I think, is a bit of a misleading term because it means nothing. A United Ireland means, that word means nothing. Um, a United Ireland could be achieved by pulling the Republic into the United Kingdom, but I would imagine that that maybe isn't something that you'd be interested in. So that's, that's not, a United Ireland isn't, Totally, it doesn't totally encompass what people are asking for. It's like a catchphrase almost. It's like a quick little thing that you can use. But I, I'm interested exactly in well, what is it exactly that you're asking for? Because you know, I'm a firm loyalist unionist, but I think it would be really foolish if someone was to come along with this new plan and I can't actually point out what it is that I have an issue with, but yet I'm still going to disagree with it. And I don't like how loyalists just outright reject the idea of a united Ireland because, again, you're not actually rejecting anything specific. You're, you're rejecting the conversation. And I, I don't have an issue with the conversation because, you know, we could sit down, <clears throat> we could have our government sit down and, and have a chat, work out the plans for united Ireland. And then at the end of it, unionists could still walk away if they weren't happy with the, the proposition. So that's where I don't really see an issue with, with talking. And that's, that's what I wanted to do was start a... Start a conversation. What is it that people actually want? Well, that's why, Joe, when I initially read your tweet, and I'm just going to quote it again mm -hmm. here. Um, to all Republicans, when you say you want a United Ireland, what precisely do you mean? I thought it was a brilliant question. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? Because not alone do potentially you and the PUL community want to know that, but also members within my community mm -hmm. want to know that too. <laughs> like, let's be honest about it. 100%. So, so we need to paint this picture. We need to flesh out mm -hmm. what this vision is going to be because, let's be honest, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's a vision. Yep. Um, and, you know, I think if we have learned anything, and, and these are my words from the mistake of Brexit in 2016, where we were catapulted into a referendum, vote yay or nay, and we didn't have a proper thorough consultation prior to it totally for, for, for a year, two years, or whatever the length may be. And I suppose that's the reason why we in Shared Ireland, other groups like Ireland's Future, the Irish government, you know, and we have been encouraging the British government to get involved, we've been encouraging you, Joe, and, and your community without putting labels on people, mm -hmm. but to have this conversation in an open, honest way mm -hmm. I suppose in the way that you and I have agreed to do the day yeah so it, we could say no I don't think that'll work I see where you're going with that yeah maybe you know I mm -hmm. could work with that and 
Have you anything to say in response to that, first of all, before I go on, I suppose? No, I think that, that you're absolutely right. Um, I think starting the, the conversation and getting people in is the difficult part, which is which is the it's the bummer of the whole thing. Because, you know, when I put up a post yesterday, and I think this is true, I think one of the biggest problems with Northern Ireland is, is that this Good Friday Agreement, it's like a... It was a temporary thing that, that was put in place because people were exhausted with violence, in my view. It's something that was hastily signed up to. Didn't really address all the concerns of, of either communities. And so, and that's fine, you know, that, that grant, you know, less people are, are dead. We're not fighting anymore. That's brilliant. It worked. But I think acknowledging that it's not the, the <laughs> be all end all of the, of the problems is the first step here because we're still both operating under the assumption that the other side is acting in bad faith or that the other side is trying to screw us over or pull us into the United Ireland. There's no, or, there's no trust. Yeah, there's no trust at all. And I'm like, how, how can we actually sit here and pretend that we have a stable, functioning political system where we can all pursue our own goals whenever we can't even trust each other? Mm -hmm. I, I think it's mad. Just getting back, Joe, mm -hmm. and we'll talk about what you, you spoke about there in more detail as we go along here. But just getting back to your question about, you know, what precisely do you mean when you say yeah, you want yeah. the United Ireland? Again, I'm going to speak for me here yeah. and the shared Ireland team. But I believe you and I and people like us have so much in common. We both feel let down by London mm -hmm. <laughs> and the British government. We're both born on a small island with a population of just over five million people. We both want what's best for us and our families. I'm assuming we agree on that, all of these things. Yeah. And that includes a decent economy. It includes a decent healthcare system. Yeah. It includes a police force that is representative of the makeup of society mm -hmm. and that we can be proud of. It includes infrastructure and a peaceful, prosperous society. And this is my basic vision of using your words, a united Ireland. We are calling it a shared Ireland, but yeah. it's effectively the same thing. An island that delivers for everyone and not one that discriminates on political aspirations mm -hmm. or religious beliefs, sexual orientation, skin color, or your bank balance. <laughs> and, and I think you and I want the same thing. Would yep. you agree with that? 100%, and I think uh, I agree with Republicans a lot more than your average loyalist. You know, I agree that, that I don't really want to be totally ruled by the British government. You know, I think that we are clearly our own people. We're clearly a distinct, unique people with our own interests and culture. And and I think, you know, I've, I've brought up the idea that, that maybe what Northern Ireland needs from a loyalist perspective, maybe it's more independence. Maybe it's the ability to kind of Remain within the for loyalists. I mean, this mm -hmm. this this would be within our own communities. Yeah. You know, keep Northern Ireland British for now. We'll we'll be happy with that idea. But what would be so wrong with kind of giving Northern Ireland a lot more power, a lot more ability to kind of take their own direction and things? We're still part of the economic union with uh, Great Britain, mm -hmm. and kind of just I don't know. To me, that would open the open the political sphere so that 
say one of the things that you wanted to pursue was like a, a I don't know, like a new social program or something that would that would apply to the, the whole island of Ireland or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you'd have the ability to do that, and you're in the own, in our parliament here. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't need permission from London. Exactly. And and yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And and I think too, I'm a big fan of democracy. Mm-hmm. And part of the part of my would say beef with the European Union mm-hmm. is that they're so far away, and I, I really don't feel like you can have an effective government ruling you when when some of them might never have even stepped foot here but we had our own MEPs we did we did and, and I think that's Dodds, fair um, um, what do you call Martina Anderson um, sorry I can only name a couple of them mm-hmm. but um, yeah we are na- was Naomi Long one I think she was yeah. I think she was yeah um, yeah so so like it's a bit like Westminster isn't that um, the DUP currently have what is it seven um, and, out of, and out of 300 and something oh no and I suppose you're ultimately getting at my point. Yep. What is the real effective use of a small number of our MPs sitting in Westminster when ultimately we don't really have any clout? Why Every not? one of our MPs could vote no against something and, and still it have it. make one yep. iota of difference. And I suppose that's where I'm coming from and people like me, Joel. We're intelligent, educated people. We have travelled and traversed the world. We have built, um, we have built Scotland and London and America and Australia. Surely we're intelligent enough to run our own affairs. How would you respond to that? I think uh, I would agree. I would, I would agree. I think the issue, particularly with regards to Northern Ireland, is you, you do have a lot of people. Um, who maybe, for example, their their dads or their grandas um, went off and died during things like World War Two, and you know, because that wasn't that long ago. I know it was <laughs> history, like, but it yeah, wasn't yeah. that long ago. No, no, I appreciate um, that. So y- you do have that that kind of feeling of well, well, I sent well, not not us personally, but our, our family, our our ancestors have kind of went off uh, to fight for the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. and they died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we won, mm-hmm. great. And I think a lot of people would be concerned that, me included, whatever it is we were fighting for there, you know, because for a lot of people that was kind of fighting for your country, to create like an, a new country and abandon the union would be kind of disrespecting that sacrifice, especially when it wasn't, you know, that long ago, just over a hundred years. It's like, mm-hmm. oh great, you went and died for this country, and now we're just gonna mm-hmm. wave goodbye. And, and that's why independence, more independence within the United Kingdom is something I feel both communities could really benefit from because you've still got that, you know, loyalists don't feel that they're being disrespected or that they, they haven't given any these sacrifices for nothing. And by the way, you know, I'm, I'm not oblivious to the fact that there were Irish people that went and fought for the United Kingdom as well. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. It's not a one-sided thing at all mm-hmm. but yeah that's mm-hmm. I'll go on ahead but no 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 you're okay and again some very interesting points there mm-hmm. some great observations I'm just going to be honest with you you've kind of pleasantly taken me aback here because we are 15 and a half minutes in here and I believe that both of us have agreed on principle and everything that we've spoke about yeah so far and I think if no other message comes across in this podcast we're both saying that we're both born on the island of Ireland um, you refer to yourself as being British 
I refer to myself as being Irish. And that's one of the beautiful things about the Good Friday Agreement. Mm -hmm. It gives us that ability. It's a legal document enshrined by both the British and Irish governments that, that we have that right to do so. Mm -hmm. And like, as I say, 15, 16 minutes in, you and I have agreed on everything so far. Mm -hmm. Long may it continue. <laughs> <laughs> so you previously stated that in the event of a border poll and the majority voted for unity, you, as a Democrat, and you alluded to that point earlier there, would accept the result. If this scenario did come to pass, what would be the important issues for you? What would you want to see addressed in any unification plan? Now, I'm asking you because I know none of us can speak for our entire community, mm -hmm. but you've got a better flavour of the PUL community, for example, than I would have. Yeah. So what would you like and what would you imagine your wider community would want to see addressed if a border poll was won by pro-United Irelanders? So you have to understand how I would process this. If I wake up tomorrow and there's a vote for United Ireland and it passes, yes. I, I'm not sulking over it anymore. I, I'm kind of going, all right. Given that that reality has happened, yes. what's the best that we can do going forward? Exactly. And for me, personally, education reform and drug and alcohol targeting drug and alcohol abuse first two first two main things, without a doubt. So I'm not even bringing up the loyalist issues at the at the first kind of meeting, if you know what I mean. Exactly, you're not. No. no. What's, what's again? Sorry, this, this hopefully <laughs> I'll repeat myself here. This is such a pleasant yep. surprise to hear. 100%. 100%. So education and drug and alcohol drug reform. Drug and alcohol abuse. For, yeah, or targeting drug and alcohol abuse. Just because, continue and f go with us where you want. Yeah, well, I think uh, one of the other, and the reason for that, actually, I'll point out the reason for that, is that if a United Ireland was to happen, there's obviously going to be <laughs> tension. It, it's not. I don't think it'll go particularly smoothly and one of the key things if I was a Republican that I'd be seeking to do is kind of reassure loyalists particularly younger ones you see these these named loyalists here like I don't know public figures and they're the names of loyalism but that, that's not I'll tell you now I, I run about with a, a large group of lads down where I'm from and with the exception of none of them so not one of them gives a shit about the Northern Ireland Protocol. Not one of them, at all. Um, what do they care about? Real life issues? They care about real life issues. They care about the fact that they've got nothing to do in their communities. That a lot of them, and I'll tell you this now, two, two or three years ago, I'd have looked at some of these boys and, and wrote them off as, I don't know, wastes, maybe, because they didn't get through school mm -hmm. uh, as well as I did, or or maybe the, the dropped out, or, or anything like that. You know, I'd have just wrote them off. But now talking to them, I can really see that you know, our schools let them boys down. They're some of the smartest people I have ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, now, they might not know the name of the concepts they're talking about, but they can talk about really complicated things and, like, understand yeah. ideas that you would need, you know, yeah. or, well, some people would need education to, to be able to grasp it. Yeah. So, to me, that tells me our, our schools have let our, our kids down. And, you know, if a new Ireland was to go about to me, I see that as a huge, big opportunity to kind of... So listen, I don't want to put words in your mouth here. And thank you very much for going with me on this journey. Yep. Because obviously, this United Ireland hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you being 
taking us in good faith. Why, basically, you would be, if I could guarantee you, I suppose that's what I'm trying to come up with, that that we could tackle what you're only after outlying there mm -hmm. in the new Ireland. Dare I say, would we be getting you nearly on board? I, I'd be, you'd get me round the table. You, you would get me at the table and I'd bring a couple of my mates and I'd have a strong word with them before and tell them, look, you know, we're going in, don't... No preconceptions. <laughs> yes, let's just go in, have a chat. If you're asked a question, you know, answer it. If you have a feeling, give it. You don't have to be rude. I'd encourage, you know, my peers to kind of join in on the conversation. Well, Joel, from my perspective and, and, and people like me, that's all that anyone can ask is for somebody to give you a hear. Mm -hmm. and, but more importantly, to give them mm -hmm. an opportunity to put their views across. Yep. And I suppose that's ultimately why we would be calling on ours for a citizens' assembly. Mm -hmm. For these exact discussions to take place, and as we referenced earlier, unlike Brexit, where people hadn't an opportunity at all. But let society, you, me, and people like me, get round the table, have a discussion, and and do the planning now. Now, when I say planning, obviously you won't potentially be in this Citizens' Assembly advocating for a United Ireland, but at least you'll, you'll be given an opportunity to maybe advocate the benefits of the Union. Or That's whatever it. the case may be. Yeah, no, totally. See, see, it's frustrating because to me that seems like common sense. <laughs> to me it seems like common sense that you'd get people around a table. I mean, we're clearly not at peace. You know, I, I'd said that we have, we have a ceasefire. We're not t attacking each other anymore, but it's not peace. You know, that's, that's a mirage. That's the... Uh, oasis that you're picturing in the desert so that you don't you know yep. dehydrate to death but if we don't like quickly realize that there's there's deeper underlying issues here and, and the only way to kind of work on them is to just like, not wipe the slate clean because history is important but to just kind of go all right we haven't had the best history are we going to do this for the next hundred years are we going to do this for the next 200 like at what point are we going to kind of go all right where's our future here because I mean, I don't want to live in a, in a country like this for mm -hmm. the rest of my life. Yeah. Joel, so you mentioned education and drug and mm -hmm. alcohol reform. You spoke briefly about education, that you think uh, the education system has failed the people that you run about with, at least. Mm -hmm. And I, I think many other people listening to this would agree with that. <laughs> um, speak to me briefly on the drug and alcohol reform that you mentioned in a new Ireland, uh, if, if it happened. Well, I, I'm... I, used to be completely anti-drugs, alcohol, you know, lock them up, throw them in jail. I've changed a lot, like, since I was younger. Um, and, and then I met a guy uh, who was younger than me. Now, I was only 16, 17 or 18 when I'd run into him, and he was younger than me, and he was on his way out of jail because he got caught with a joint. And instantly, like, because you got to, for me, like, I'm looking at this guy in his, in his prison or jail uniform, with his evidence bag of stuff, he's got cuts, he's got bruises because he says he got beat by the police. And I'm going, if I was the judge looking over your case, I'd have sent you to jail. And that, this isn't helping you, it's not helping me, it's not helping the police, it's not helping any of us. And, and 
almost instantly like that that is what got me interested in politics that is what got me so passionate about political issues was seeing running into this guy who i barely knew i'd only known him from school so in a new ireland you know i would like to see a, a, a drug and alcohol approach similar to that of like portugal mm-hmm. so you're not criminalizing yeah. people who due to circumstance because you know I speak to these, these dudes and some of them do do drugs a lot of them drink um it's they're not going and they're, oh how do we how do we be antisocial? how do we be delinquent it's like that's not how it is yeah. these are people who are fed up with everything they've got stuff going on at home they've got maybe five or six hours a day to just go out and relax with their mates and that's why they're going into this stuff for for me what's again was a pleasant surprise to hear you saying when i asked you the question you know what would be important for you if, if a new Ireland did happen. Um, you mentioned education and drug and alcohol reform. For me, that's looking after people's vision of their future. And I'm, I'm not so refreshing to hear that, really. Oh, 100%. You know, and, and, and I was pleasantly surprised it wasn't about, you know, this, the stereotypical thing about, I want to fly the Union Jack, <laughs> I want to march on the 12th, and, yep. you know, all this. Because um, the, the way I look at anti- that, though, is I would go, all right, well, if we come here and we say that that is all we're interested in, mm-hmm. right, all we want is for you to guarantee we can do our 12th marches and fly our Union Jacks. Mm-hmm. And you turn around and go, all right, no problem. There you go, you get it. Am I going to be happy that I've got that? Am I going to be happy that that's, that's what I've went in and achieved? And I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all I get out of a United yeah. Ireland is the ability to walk down the street and fly a flag. But, it's but, like, but so I, I, I said to you um, five, ten minutes ago there that you and I have got so much in common and I listed several examples. You see this education and drug and alcohol reform. Mm-hmm. You and I have got that in common. And I would imagine every single person that's listening to us now are sitting nodding their head as well. Never met anyone who disagrees. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so so again, you know, it all comes back into, you know, what what are we doing on this island? We have the the capabilities mm-hmm. to put these things in law, to make changes to society for our future and our children's future mm-hmm. and your children's future whenever you have them hopefully someday and your grandchildren yeah you know so it's all about having that vision and i'm gonna quote reverend karen who we had in last week's podcast here and we've kind of taken this hashtag and we're going to run with it now have the vision and dare to dream mm-hmm. set yourself and our communities a challenge dare to dream mm-hmm. what's wrong like with that, that? See, one of the things I've been trying to get them boys to do just on a, on a local level is, you know, all right, you're bored. You're tired of not having anything to do. What do you want? We'll create like a little thing. We'll go lobby the council and we'll, we'll get you something sorted. Now, there is a lack of motivation, but we're working on it. But, um, yeah, no, I think that, that that's a great mindset so, to have. So, so Joe and your friends are going to now what? Dare to dream. <laughs> Dare to dream. <laughs> so... Moving on, um, with regards to Stormont, you've spoken that you're not in favour of mandatory coalition. Mm. Do you think it will cause problems for your community if Sinn Féin became the largest party in the next Assembly elections and by right held the position of First Minister? There's a lot of talk about that, obviously, where, yeah. where the DUP and the UUP effectively haven't publicly said that, yes, they would nominate as Deputy First Minister, if that scenario happened. Mm-hmm. What's your sense of that whole conversation and from what you're hearing on the ground? See, this is the this is the difficult territory because 
the two, uh, see the two issues with the United Ireland, and I'm not dodging your question, but it, it is kind of related. I think the two biggest hurdles here, number one, my community, rightly or wrongly, is under the belief that a United Ireland isn't creating a new state for us all. It's us being annexed by the Republic. Um, the issue with that is, we, I tell you, we, we, Mike, we don't have a clue what goes on down there. We don't know. I, I know the, the, their parliament is called the Doyle or something, but I <laughs> don't have a clue. So Very it's good. so unknown. The yeah, other right. thing is, to us, rightly or wrongly, Sinn Féin are, are not... Sinn Féin are a diff... They're a third. We, we, I don't look at, at you, a Republican, uh, and, and even per you anywhere near Sinn Féin. You know, to us, they're the enemies here. They're the real danger to us all. Yeah. And so do I think it'll have an actual practical, I'll be able to point to something and go, well, there's what's changed with the Sinn Féin First Minister? No, I don't I don't think so. Anyway, I would hope not. You know, Deputy First Minister is the same, same thing. It's the symbolism. Yeah. And it's the kind of, do we really want to... Are, are we ready to accept being ruled by Sinn Féin? And it's like, it's a really, really tough one. Because on one hand you go, well, if you respect democracy, these people have a mandate, regardless of what you think about them. And can I just intervene yeah. there? If you actually did think about it logically, mm -hmm. and I think it's not until you do that, Sinn Féin is a title of a party. Mm -hmm. It's actually the hundreds of thousands of people that will vote for them, or the DUP, or the UUP Alliance, Greens, or whoever. It would actually be the ordinary voter that wouldn't be getting their democratic vote heard mm -hmm. if that scenario did or didn't happen. And, and the issue with that is that if we're going to do that, then we're going right back to the, to the olden days, yeah. where we say, well, your votes are less valid than ours. Exactly. Or what we'll have to do then is, is give nationalists the right to turn around and veto our, you know, elect the politicians. We, we have to be, you can't... Which ultimately gets none of us anywhere. <laughs> hmm. So it is, it's, a, it's a bloody difficult yeah. one. Can I just um, give you my version yeah. of when you mentioned in your response there about um, the, the South, you know, Annex and the, the North. That certainly wouldn't be my vision mm -hmm. of my future for my children and you and anybody. My vision of, of our new Ireland would be one where we would rip up the Constitution in the South and here. We'd start with a blank page, and I genuinely mean this. And this would be done through our Citizens' Assembly. Mm -hmm. And you and I and people like us would sit down and say, right, look around the world, look at the health system. Mm -hmm. Well, we look at the Swedish health system, although we pick a bit out of the one in New Zealand, mm -hmm. and we'll come up for one here that there's no such thing as perfect, but it's certainly going to be, we've explored all options, and we reckon this one would work. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we put this in place? How do we pay for it? Whatever. Because currently, there's people saying, you know, in the South with the healthcare, you have to pay 50 euros, 80 euros to go and see your GP. That isn't entirely true, but it's not a perfect system. Mm -hmm. The same way it's not entirely true when people would say in the NHS up here in England you have to wait 18 months, two years to get um, an operation. That's not entirely true either. Mm -hmm. But I think we'll both agree that it could be better. Oh, so, it could be so a lot better, yeah. That would be my idea, uh, Joel. 
of, of this new United Ireland, Shared Ireland, call what we want, is that we would have a blank page and we could together explore options and then put them in place. The same as, a, as the police force, wouldn't be called in Garda Sikana, wouldn't be called the PSNI, we could come up with a name. Mm -hmm. But one that your community could genuinely say, no, fair play, mightn't agree with all that, but you acted fairly, and so could my community. Mm -hmm. we, we would have an infrastructure, you know, a real network. Like, we've got an international airport here, mm -hmm. and it's with no real network, or no tube station yeah. in it. Like, it's nearly farcical when you think about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. See, this term, you know, if you live west of the barn, which, mm -hmm. which is obviously, you know, Derry, Tyrone, Fermanagh, um, you know, apart from Derry, Derry City, we, we don't have a real infrastructure. Now, we yeah. used to have, like in my grandfather's day, but it's all been done away with, no fountain, no nothing. Like, what, what do they expect country people to do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, and there's nothing about the South. That, that I would turn around to you now and say, that's perfect, that's perfect. No, it's not, it's far from it. Far from it, like, you know, maybe going back to my day, like it used to be this whole, the brown envelope syndrome down there where politicians were getting backhanders and Aye. vulture funds and, you know. Uh, so we documentary about all that, yeah. yeah. You know, so like the whole thing has to be reformed and mm -hmm. you and I and people like us can sit down and say, right, dare to dream. Mm -hmm. What is our vision? And now we'll create it. What's your thoughts? See, I think that... I think you should run for office. No, definitely <laughs> not. I have enough headaches in life without that. <laughs> no, but that, I think that that's a much more... You see, if you force people into a conversation, it's not going to be a, a very good conversation. What I like about what you're saying, it really does seem respectful to everyone. It has to be open so you can go here you can turn around and you can go all right this isn't working no and you can you can walk away you know that's important too i think for a lot of uh loyalists and especially i think with the north south meetings thing you know the way a lot of them are calling them to boycott those i think part of that is <laughs> is partly due to the almost unspoken obligation that you've got to go there otherwise you're a bad guy it's like no we don't want that pressure at all like I, I want to engage willingly. I don't want to engage through caution. Do you hear anything? No, we're good. A jug of water would be nice, maybe. That's, um, sorry for our listeners. We're actually conducting this interview in the Wellington Park Hotel in Belfast, <laughs> and um, the manager very kindly came over and offered us tea <laughs> or coffee. So there you go, Joe. There we go. And, and, and we didn't take him up. I just offer, uh, asked for cheap water. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joel, you were saying there. Yes, so so you like that kind of concept, I suppose, that, that I was speaking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. definitely. I think the Citizens' Assembly is... Uh, what, what does that look like? Because I haven't looked into much of that. Okay. What would that look like? B basically, a Citizens' Assembly, and this is only my layman's mm -hmm. version of events, is that citizens, so mm -hmm. citizens are you, me, or whoever, um, we come around um, a table, for want of a better word, and we have got a talk couple of talking points so in regards to a new shared Ireland it would be how would this work mm -hmm. will the PUL community what sort of a, a, a vote or sorry what sort of a representation will they be guaranteed in any new parliament and currently I think David McCann and a, and a few of these political anorex and I mean that in the best possible 
are, are thinking that, that unionism would have would make up about thirty percent or forty percent of a, of any new gov government in, in this scenario, so that your voice would be yep. heard loud and clear. And it would be my fear, Joe, that if if the PUL community didn't come around the table now and and engage in these conversations, is that how can you ensure that your rights and mandate will be adhered to? If a new United Ireland does come on about, so this is the thing. it will be up to us, as in say Republican Nationals and others, to start ensuring that your rights are enshrined in law. Mm -hmm. But that's not up to me. It's up to you to do it, is it not? In your community? No, I agree. See, and that's where my openness kind of comes from. A, it's like a pragmatic thing because the, the way I look at it is, I go, well, look at the demographics. You know, if we want to sit about and wait 50 years, we're not going to have, I don't think we'll have very many self-described loyalists left at all, to be honest. Um, young people are already starting to shy away from them kind of labels. And, and I think, you know, they have their own reasons for it. Maybe one of the reasons is because our political climate has become so toxic. You know, maybe people are just abandoning it for that reason. So I think you're right, you know, all right, we turn up our noses, we refuse to meet with any of these people, it's like, that's all well and good. In 50 years, or in 20 years, you know, I don't even think it'll be that long, the United Ireland will be voted for anyway. So then the decision that you have to make is, are you going to fight against that again? Or are you going to then kind of, I don't know, suck it up and, and walk in with your tail between your legs into these meetings? And if you're going to do that then... You know, you might as well do it now before the issue arises. Yeah, well, you, you might as well be heard from day one as opposed <laughs> to starting to read a book at page 20. 100%. Yeah, 100%. So, um, I'm very conscious of time here. We're yep. nearly 38 minutes in. And, and by the way, I, I could sit and discuss that particular conversation with you all day. But your Twitter bio says, Joe, and I quote future MLA, where do you see your political home? used to frustrate me in school when teachers would be like, oh, you know an MP gets paid more? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't care. <laughs> it's, I want to, I want to, my, my goal is the assembly. Stormont. But you don't agree with Mandalay Coalition? No, no, because I want to be there willingly. It's the same thing as these chats. I don't want to be there because I'm forced to be there and I don't want to be... I don't want these threats to be popping up every few months that someone's going to collapse this, the assembly if they don't get what they want. I don't think that should be doable. I think that's ridiculous that one political party can collapse our entire government. Um, and that's not directed at Sinn Féin or the DU. That's all of them. Anyone who entertains the possibility for me of, of crashing the assembly. Now, I get that there's talks about doing it over the protocol. And I think there is a discussion to be had of well, how far do you take it if you're not if you feel that you aren't being listened to? But certainly at the minute, you know, with COVID and all just being over, we really need a government right now. Like to me, that's the most important thing to get us through this unsettled period of yeah, our time. Definitely, I think collapsing it would be a mistake. So if you could speak directly to Jeffrey Donaldson uh, now, what would you say to Jeffrey? I would say is is this the best we've got? is the best thing that we have, to, the best card that we have is to collapse the government unless we get what we want. 
And like, have we really tried everything else? Yeah, we did our protests. We, we did our parades, the few of them. Was that enough? By the way, did you attend any of them parades? I did. Uh, give protests, a speech at one. Call them what you want. Or you give a speech at one? I did. Um, what was your sense of the people that turned up? You know, did you feel that there was anger? Did you feel more frustration? Did you feel that they were maybe confused? What was your sense of, of uh, mood on the ground? Well, I, I went to, I think it was one or two. I can remember the one just down the road there, up Donegal Pass. Um, people enjoyed it. It was a, I mean, you're protesting, you're making a point, but, and yes, you're angry, but you're, you're like artificially angry. You're not actually sitting there raging in your. So so there was a. I don't know. It's almost like a nice way. It was a nice way down there down the street protest. And then whenever we got to the the place where we were giving the speech, um, you know people listened. People were interested. They weren't getting on like hooligans or or whatever. And whenever the thing was over, people dispersed. So I think people on on that day anyway. And I can't speak for the rest of them. There's a real sense of like duty among them of, of uh, right I'm here because I believe this and and that's it there's no there's no hatred and and if there is any it, it would be towards the British government you know not not any other it's not <laughs> ironic and I referenced this before when I was outlining things that you and I have in common and I referenced we both have a distrust of the British government <laughs> it baffles me how loyalism is still so it baffles me how loyalism hasn't turned around and completely just declared political war on, on, on Great Britain, to me, honestly. Particularly during Boris's regime, where yeah. he has let the DUP in particular down time and time and time again. What's that old um, saying? Um, if you keep repeating the same as the, the mistakes of the past and expect a different result, that's the first sign of insanity. Uh -huh, 100%. And also fooled me once, you know, like, come on. Yeah. Carson, Carson, you not to trust the British government. It's like... Like, and I don't know. I'm not saying that they're they're bad people in London. I'm saying they've got their own problems to deal with. Exactly. They probably don't. Like, I don't think they're malicious. I don't think they're the British government are sitting around a table going, "How can we screw over Northern Ireland today?" <laughs> yeah. I just think they've got other stuff to be dealing with, and a wee bit of acknowledgement of that. Like, like right. any country has. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, the UK is one of the biggest economies in the world. Boris is a busy man. Uh, I. I it's not that I don't blame him for not being do, able to... Does, does he really care about somebody living in East or West Belfast? I don't think so. He would, he would argue that he, that he does. Of but... course he would argue that, but uh, practicality is a different thing. Tell me this, I'm just going to push you on this. Current political parties in the North, future MLA, where's your political home? If I had to put a gun to your head now, sorry, I shouldn't use that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... Um, Name me a political party that you would be happy to represent or be a representative of. None. 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 So no, you'd be an independent? Independent, yeah. No, anyway. No, anyway. Yeah, um, okay. I have spoke with a few political parties and, you know, some of them have tried to kind of, I don't know, convince me to come yes. on board. But I've got two simple rules that none of them can, can totally agree to. And that's, don't ever make me say anything I don't believe. And don't ever shut me up about something I do believe in. And, and they, none of them can, can guarantee you that. None of them can put that on a page and go, I yeah. I like that. That's my only two only two rules. There you go. Well, I've, I've got kind of like a, a rule too, is that every day I want to learn something new. Mm -hmm. And I love what you're going to have to say. Repeat it again, two rules. So don't make me say anything I don't believe. And don't shut me up about anything I do believe. Love it. That's my only rules. And 
Fernand, none of them have ever directly refused it, but you know, it's always at that. Oh, but mm. yeah, we'll be quite a bit. No, yeah, yeah. no, not interested. You want me or you don't. I'm well, not going to be your. Well, listen, fair play to you. You're a man of principle. Stick to your own philosophy and never doubt yourself. Not that I don't think that you ever will, <laughs> but you have my encouragement to keep uh -huh. being yourself. Absolutely. Joel, you've been an absolute superstar up until now. You went with me on journeys that traditionally you wouldn't go on. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna, I think it's only fair that I'm gonna give you this next opportunity. Sell me the benefits of the union. It's hard. Okay, move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's hard because I think a lot of the, a lot of the benefits for me aren't actually tangible. It's not necessarily things that would maybe apply to you. Um. I feel a connection to the United Kingdom. I, I feel like I belong to the United Kingdom. And that doesn't mean I belong to the Queen. Doesn't mean I belong to the British government. Those are institutions. Those are figureheads. It's kind of like a wider... I feel British and that, that's why I want to be... I want to identify as British and, and belong to Britain. So. When it comes to the benefits, I mean, I do think there are some. I think the NHS is a, is a great one, flawed as it may be. Um, I certainly think it's a great service. Um, I think, you know, we do get funding. Northern Ireland does get funding from the from Britain. We get a subvention every year, but but surely could it not also that say that we're kind of like beggars with our hands out, relying on, on this yeah. money from them every year? That yeah. would be my only wee issue with And I, I'd agree with that too, mm. you know. Um, I'm probably not the, the, the best person to sell the, the, the union because my reason for for feeling like I want to be part of it isn't like isn't tangible. It's not anything material. So well, well, I'm going to be honest here again, and I'm going to imagine that there's a lot of people listening to this podcast from a nationalist Republican mm -hmm. background, sitting scratching their head listening to you at the minute. Yeah, because for me. While I always knew you were a respectful, decent, courteous young man, but you have honestly blown me away here today. And I mean that in such a positive way. Mm -hmm. Because I can see you and I, and what I mean by you and I is you and the Shared Ireland team, honestly, working together oh, yeah. in the future here. Because you are the person, so you are our future. And what I mean by you at 20, anybody mm -hmm. at that age, you are the next doctors, GPs, mm -hmm. MLAs, politicians, captains of society. You are our future here. And to hear you sit and articulate yourself in such a mild, constructive way, with two ears open. And I think, for me, this is the, the most refreshing thing that I'll be taking away from this conversation. And you're so willing to try and walk a mile in someone else's shoes and look at life through their lenses, even if it only gives you a better understanding of how they may feel about mm -hmm. something. But anybody that, for me, that has that ability and is willing to do that, that's somebody that I will talk to all day long. Mm -hmm. And you have demonstrated that today. And I don't mean to be, um, you know, blowing smoke, <laughs> or, or I don't, I don't mean to be patronising either, mm -hmm. because obviously you've always been like this. I. And I imagine others just simply weren't aware of it. That's all. Mm -hmm. Okay, no, I'm glad. I'm glad, and it's been fun. You know, I've never got to seriously speak about any of this either. You know, what would a, a New Ireland look like? A lot of us shy away from them kind of conversations. On on my side, again, 
uh, air quotes, mm. <laughs> people didn't like whenever you you refer to it as the other side, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I agree. I'm, fu I'm funny, I've seen that tweet uh, a couple of days ago. <laughs> yeah, you were getting a bit of stick about that. Uh, Listen, well, we haven't quite finished yet, if you'll bear with me. Mm -hmm. You recently took part in Patrick Keelty's TV programme. On a personal note, I thought it was brilliant. Um, thought the whole programme was great. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to um, speak um, about the segment that you were in. Uh, you were you were in the whole damn show every time I looked around, <laughs> your face was on it. But anyway, uh, um, speaking here uh, specifically about the bit that you, Patrick, and uh, Jackie McDonald spoke around the bonfire. Mm -hmm. How was that experience for you, Joel? And did the two older men's words resonate with you? And I guess what I mean by that is their, their stories and kind of nearly pleading, not with you, but pleading with the new generation, please don't go back down that dark old road that they... Mm -hmm unfortunately did good I think uh, I don't know to me it was a lot more matter of fact to me it was alright I've got two boys sitting here one of them's from from a nationalist republican background one of them's <laughs> hardcore loyalist and they're both telling me the same thing mm. maybe you should just listen mm. maybe you should just alright fair enough you're, if you're both can sit here these are people who maybe would have killed each other 50 years ago and you can sit here together and kind of give me something I'm just going to take it completely um, there's no you aren't disagreeing there's no uh, arguing happening you are both here telling me that you do not want to go back to these times to me that's good enough and um, these and these people are people that had directly yep. suffered including family members and friends killed mm -hmm. which for me you know they actually have skin in the game yeah, which which makes it more significant for yep. me, and I'm sure it did for you. Mm -hmm. Convince Northern Nationalists Joe and others that the union could be a better option than constitutional change. Well, you could have both, like going down this independence more independence route again you know you you could retain access to one of the largest economies in the world while also still having a significant amount of autonomy over over your own laws and yeah by remaining in the eu did that not give us access to one of the largest economies in the world yes yes and again you know i think i agree with you that the vote was rushed into it was a catastrophe it was outrageous and but I think from from the vote to leave happened. It just the thing I didn't like about the EU was simply how hard they were making it to leave. You know, I reckon save that I turned around and, and worked with us and kind of tried to to me a club where there, where it's difficult to leave or, or a, like the union. Suppose, <laughs> suppose it's a no, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, although I would say that a lot of my criticisms of the EU. I would apply to the UK as well, you know, unelected bureaucrats, House of Lords, you know, I think that the, the, the reason I can stomach the UK but I can't stomach the EU, I think it's purely down to size, I think the EU is just such a massive, and, and it's great to have free travel, free trade, I think that that's great, originally the EU was a fantastic idea, but over time I think it became clear that, that they are kind of heading more towards a single European state. Or that's what it appears to me anyway and I don't really want to be part of that you know I like having a wee bit more localised 
decentralized government and the UK is just a step down. Now, it's still a lot bigger than I would like. You know, I still feel like Northern Ireland should have a lot more say over our own affairs. But I think we could get that within within the union. Um, and I'm not at all saying that there's no circumstances where I would want to wave goodbye to them. Just saying at the minute, I think we could all kind of achieve what we're looking to achieve without having to actually make that official leaving step. And it could be actually quite a uniting cause too, you know, for a lot of, maybe not all of them, you know, I know a lot of people, <clears throat> this idea of a, a united shared Ireland is what they're after and that's fair enough and I'm happy to engage with that because who knows, maybe after I learn a bit more, you'll, you'll bring me along and I'll I'll come along <laughs> your way, I think, you, and You too. could be our poster boy, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, at, at the minute, I think, Striving for more independence within the union, at least as a first step, you know, maybe that'll turn into something else later. But as a first step, I think it's something that more of us could agree on. I think it's a better direction to go than than the current arrangement with this mandatory coalition and all the fighting and the arguing and the threats and the, the taking our government hostage. And I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I think it'd be great if we could have our own parliament where, you know, nationalists would be represented too. You know, it would be British, but we'd be making our own stuff. It would be here, be our own unique. You'd still have your dual citizenship. Who knows? Maybe you'd even have... I'm going to get killed for saying this, but maybe you even have representatives from the South come up to kind of participate. <laughs> you never know. You never know. I'm laughing here because maybe I'll get killed for saying this. I know it's only a figure of speech, but yeah, you're afraid of you don't want to push the boat too far. So. Just saying, we'll take it a step at a time and, and see what happens. But I don't know, it's certainly something worth looking at, I think. Okay, very good, very good. Enjoyed that. Um, right, I think you've kind of answered um, this next and last question. You'll be glad to hear, but give it another lash. Paint me your picture, Joe. Of this island, however you want to, of Ireland in the next 20, 30 years. So you'll be um, you'll be in your fifties at this stage. What do you think it's going to look like, and what do you hope it looks like? I hope that we stop taking ourselves so seriously, and just. On it, and it might sound stupid, go with the flow a wee bit more. Just, let's relax. Tranquilo. Just take a, like, can we actually just have a day where, where Stormont's called off and we all just sit, we did the clap for the NHS. I'd love like a big collective sigh that we all take part in. Oh my God. And after the sigh, we can just kind of go, all right. Do you know something? I think there could be merit in that. Take a day off, man. That's it. Peace, peace day. We're going to have a peace day where we all just sit. Could we could we start that on Twitter? Could we? That, I think that, so. that, that you know the way. Bye bye. Um, that that um, we all have our you know our trolls and we all have people that no matter what we say they're not going to agree. Could could we start up some sort of a hashtag? Take a day off, folks. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Right. What? Pick a day. Go on ahead. Any day now. You go for it. Now, bear in mind this podcast uh, will be going out on this Monday coming. Gotcha. So, pick a day next week that we're going to. Ask everybody to take a day off. We'll go for Friday. Okay. We'll give everyone the weekend off. Take a day off. We'll all take a big collective sigh. Oh. Have a wee think. 
Is your side really that bad? No. Well, we'll need to set a few ground rules for this, mm-hmm. okay? Because <laughs> being Irish as well, we always love to set rules like yeah. <laughs> So, so we can break them, of course. But anyway, <laughs> entering into the spirit of thing, take a day off means what, Joe? It, it means that no nasty comments. No nasty comments. No trolling, for want of a better word. No trolling. I would like if Having we just didn't refer to, the, to, to each other as Republicans or Loyalists at all. Right. We're just people. Okay. Entities. Can I add this one? Try and show others by your response that you're prepared to walk a mile in their shoes and look at life from a different perspective, just to see what it looks like. You think it'll be You never good. know, you might like it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Well, Anything else you want to add to this? Take a day off. Hashtag. <laughs> yes, uh, I want everyone to imagine what their first steps would be if they were the head of the political party that they oppose. Ah, so I'm just going to repeat that. Mm-hmm. So, if you opposed Sinn Féin, yep. you would want to think, if you were the leader you, you of that party... You Michelle O'Neill's body. Okay. <laughs> we won't get too graphic here. In, in her head. Yeah, yeah. in her head. Yeah. Uh, you are now the leader of the largest Republican or your Loyalist party. Yes. What do you do? And, mm. and we'll try and keep it keep positive. It, no keep no it, negatives. Keep it positive. Okay. Keep it positive. Okay. So what, what is it that you're going to do to try and... Okay. I don't know. Reconcile with the other with the other side from the from from the other side, kind of. I don't know. It'll be a fun little uh, thing. Yeah. Oh my God, this podcast has <laughs> taken my life of its own here. Joe, what's your favourite sport? I'm not in big into sports. Like I, I enjoy tennis. I tennis. Oh, okay. Don't mind it. Very uh, good. Uh, <laughs> favorite food. I love a spaghetti bolognese, but I'm ashamed to say, I, I think I might have went a wee bit overboard with the McDonald's. Was over over <laughs> No, honestly, see with those. Uh, I'll give you a tip. The uh, McDonald's workers can't actually redeem their e-monopoly cards, so you can pay them on the cheap get the winning cards off them. Oh, okay. So they win a free quarter pounder, you bat off them for 50p. You'll have the easiest, <laughs> easiest week of meals in your life. Very good. That's a good tip, okay. <laughs> Water or alcohol, Joe? I'm going to say alcohol. Okay. Well, you're 20, so why not? Best film? Oh, there's so many good ones. I like, I love uh, actually, it's a TV show, The Blacklist, you call it, with James Spader, who is fantastic. Um, you'd know him, he was in The Office and stuff. Uh, oh, okay. Boston Legal. Yes, I, I, I've, I've heard tell of The Blacklist, but I don't, I haven't watched it. It's fantastic. Okay, I'll take a note of that. Tell me your best quality. <laughs> I, <laughs> people. People tell me that they enjoy my complete willingness to be honest. You know, I'm just too too honest sometimes, which is a, is a strength and a, and a weakness. But for me, I, I never never regret telling the truth. Well, I'm speaking until you 59 minutes and 22 seconds, and I would echo that. <laughs> that's and that's good. A, and that, that's a good thing, by the way. That's, I mean that as a positive. I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm glad. Tell me your worst quality. 
I used to be very good at being on time to things, but see nowadays, I, I have just lost, I think I've just, uh, I don't know, relaxed a wee bit more and some might call it lazy, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll call well, it that. Well, you were on time here today, I was the one that was 15 minutes late, but um, I'm going to blame You have an excuse, topic. if I was late, I'd have been lying in my bed, you were coming from somewhere else, that's, that's completely acceptable. <laughs> so, last question. If you could invite three people to your fictional dinner party, and they can be alive or dead, who would they be and why? I would love to speak to... First one is a guy called Daryl Davis, who you might have heard of. He's a black man in America who has single-handedly converted over like 200 KKK members, I think, just by talking to them. Oh. And that fascinates the life out of me. Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis. I think that's what you call him. Um, he, I keeps the robes and stuff, so he, he fascinates me. Um, Excellent. I, I like the sound of that. Oh, it's great. <clears throat> Second person? Okay, we'll go with James Spader, your man from the blacklist, just because oh, yes. we, need a bit of, we need a bit of fun. Of course. And um, third person? And the third person... Just to make clear, I'm not struggling because I can't think of anyone. No. The, the, I'm spoiled for choice. I would love to speak to... You're really taking this question seriously. <laughs> I know, I don't know what it is. Maybe you've got this thing in my head that maybe one day it might actually happen. Um... <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> okay, I can feel a female answer coming here. You still thinking, folks? I really can't. Do you know what? I'd bring my mum. Wow. I'd bring my mum. Very good. But are you sure that's not so that you, she can cook for this dinner party, no? I oh. think there is, too. It wasn't initially, but now... <laughs> Nah. Two birds, one stone, <laughs> all the rest of it. Very good. Well, listen, to old Keys, I always enjoy speaking to all our guests, and I really do. And people are going to think I'm lying when I say this, because I do happen to say it quite often. <laughs> but I really have enjoyed this conversation. I loved it. Loved it. Because you have been a breath of fresh air. You are our future. I want to personally hear more of what you have to say in any platform mm -hmm. because you have demonstrated to me today that you are open, willing and prepared to talk about, as you rightfully said, uncomfortable subjects. And I think if we all, and I'm pointing to myself here and my community and people that would agree with mm -hmm. my political outlook, I think we all need to take a leaf out of your book and we all need to engage with each other in an open positive way and I suppose the old mantra of mine is take a walk in someone else's shoes for a day but then um, we're going to have this day off on Friday oh I can't wait um, but listen I'm going to leave the last word to you Joel if there's anything that you would like to say just before we go I think I would just echo what you've just said uh, one other thing some advice I would give to any loyalists listening is see just once 
or twice or however often you feel comfortable with, have a conversation with a, I mean, just to go with the extreme, have a conversation with a, with a Sinn Féin counsellor or something, right? Like, talk to someone that you wouldn't normally talk to, but the key thing is, do not go in, think, oh, how are they going to try and screw me? Go, go in with, go in believing that they are there in good faith, and the minute that you get a sign that they're not, then fair enough, walk out, fine. But just reach out an olive branch, because honestly, I have never, ever spoke to someone and walked away thinking, oh, that was a trap, or oh, that was a, a, a bad faith discussion, they just wanted to flood me with this, or, or make it an idiot out of me. None of that has ever happened to me, and I've spoke to a lot of people over the past few weeks. And, and not even just for other people, but for yourself, it can be quite... Enlightening. Yeah, it, that's exactly the word. To just hear from someone else's perspective. Um, totally, so definitely do. So, Keys, appreciate your time today. You've been an absolute superstar. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, folks. And as always, if you did enjoy, and even if you didn't enjoy what you heard here today, we always appreciate your comments below. And a like and a retweet is always appreciated. Till the next time, take care, be good, and bye-bye.